0: You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Um, last week, um, we'll just review real quick. Uh, we've just talked about so many things, but it seems as though the Bible says you have not, James said, because you ask not. And so there's something about asking that is more than just um, uh, it's necessary. It says in um, Mark 11, uh, we, we know Mark 11, 23 and 24. It says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll do what? Yeah. But you got to believe when, when you pray. So you got to ask, right? First John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that I have in him, that if I ask, so I got to do what? ask if I have, this is the confidence that I have in him, that if I ask anything according to his will, uh, then I know what I know that he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, I know that I'll have the petitions that I've desired of him. John 15, seven. Uh, if you abide in him, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask, uh, John, uh, other, other scriptures. It says hitherto you've asked nothing in my name, ask that your joy would be full. So how many is that? Seven, eight, nine or or so. How many you know we have to ask? You have to ask. So there's something to this asking and, and yes, should you thank God for stuff? You should. Yes. Should you confess stuff? Yes, you should, but don't skip the asking. Don't skip the asking. Don't just, you know, sometimes people pray the prayer of faith. I like to call it better the prayer of petition because every prayer you pray ought to be in faith. Amen. Even if you're praying the Lord, is it your will prayer? I mean, uh, well, I thought we weren't supposed to say that. Mark, Pastor Mark, that's wrong. Don't say that. Well, there are things in your personal life you don't know the will of God. Jesus prayed if it's your will. He said, Lord, if, you're, if there's any other way, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Right? Even though he knew there was no other way, he asked anyway. Right? So, so every prayer you pray should be in faith. Right? But, but the prayer of petition, the prayer of faith, you, there's got to be an asking. And I think it's more of a um, legal thing because you look in First John five fourteen and 15. Uh, you know, that word here, there is not here with these. God doesn't hear with thee. How I many? Because so, God knows every thought you think. You don't have to say anything, and He knows what you're thinking. Does that comfort you? I don't know that it always comforts me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the Bible says you can't even go to hell to get away from Him. Uh, I, I mean, so He don't need you to talk to know what you're thinking. Hallelujah. How, how how about how about this? If, if if there was something, an invention that came up that whatever you were thinking would pop up on the screen. I might be mad if I saw what you were thinking. <clears throat> you understand? Uh, so it's not just thinking it because people say, well, God knows. Yes, he knows. He all the Bible even covers that. He knows what you need before you ask. So what should you and I be doing? If you need to, to start out, get a, get a book, a journal. And, and a lot of times though, people, uh, they do this. I believe they ask too quick. They're not ready to ask. They're, they, they need to, they need to, um, believe they need to work on their faith. They need to get scripture. Um, you, you know, uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, in other words, I've got the word on it. So first John five, to 15, I'm bringing him what he said. I know he's not going to reject what I ask because I've got his will. I've got, I have his word on it. And so I'm bringing it to court. So that's what we talked about last time. Y'all remember? Is that good? I, I, so, so if you, so, so you know, if you can point back to a time, because when you ask, you believe. Then you're not waiting on a manifestation. You believed when you prayed. You believed then after you prayed. Then what's it time to do? Thank God. What's it time to do? Confess the word. What's it time to do? Having done all to stand, stand therefore. What 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 are you supposed to be doing? You're supposed to. You but you've got it already you're not trying to get it. You already got it. Now, don't let this be too simple, because if the truth was you and I were always doing this, uh, we should be at 100% of getting, receiving everything that we have asked for according to the word of God. Can we all grow in this area? Yeah. We're all growing. Amen. How I many of you're under construction. I'm still under construction. Everybody's still under construction. We're all still growing, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, it's Wednesday night, so let's keep going. I know that um, I know I'm talking to people who believe God, who trust God, and so I'm going to do something a little different um, tonight. But it's still talking about because uh, we've covered so many different aspects of faith, and I'm having so much fun. But I want to uh, cover this part of it tonight. So we ask. And when we ask, we believe, all right? We wouldn't have asked if we, if we didn't believe, but there's a, there's a, um, this is what I know about you and me. I know you and I are people of faith. How many of you are born again? Are you born again? You're born again. Glory to God. Most of you filled with the Holy ghost. Come on. Most of you living by faith. Hallelujah. Born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, Uh, divine, healing, believing, being rich, prosperity, believing, hallelujah. uh, Believing there's angels around you protecting you. You, I am talking to the people of faith. And and so you and I, we have done, I believe, the hardest thing there is to do when it comes to faith, and that is uh, believing, releasing our faith for salvation, while you were not born again, while there, there was, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, you heard something. What did you hear? Well, you, heard, you had to have heard that Jesus is the Son of God. You had to have heard that he went about doing good. There's something you had to believe. You heard something from the gospel. You heard a gospel message. Somebody told you something. And then you believe something that is impossible for your brain to believe. You believe that somebody was raised from the dead And you didn't know all this, put his blood on the mercy seat and is sitting at the right hand of God Almighty, the creator, someone you've never seen, someone you've never heard from in a place that you have no uh, natural proof that it exists. You believed it. You, you, You believed it. You believed it. How did you believe it? You believed it because you chose to believe what someone taught you, someone preached to you, or someone shared with you. You did. (laughs) You believed God. You believed God. Listen to me. It is the ability of everybody on planet Earth to believe in Jesus and believe that he was raised from the dead. Everyone has that opportunity. Everyone can believe that. They say, well, no, they have, they have to preach it. That's the best way. But the Bible says they should even be able to look around and know there's a creator. I, I didn't come from no sludge. I didn't come from no primate. I am too... In, I can't even say it. I, I'm too special to be made, you know, come from a, from, from a monkey. Everything works too well. A creator thought of this. A creator thought of this. A creator thought of this. Do you believe in the Big Bang Theory? Yeah, God said something and bang, there it was. That's the Big Bang Theory I believe in. Do you believe in, listen to me. So you, you and I have bypassed all that. We, we bypass again, remember at the very beginning, I said to you that faith is not of the mind. It's not even of the renewed mind. Faith is of the heart. Before you were even born again, you had the ability to believe in your heart. And I wasn't even born again yet. How much better off are you now to believe everything else that God has said is for you? Romans 10, 9, and 10 says what? It says, if you'll confess to your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, he was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made. So we've looked at that. But I want to tell you this because I want to get into something. But let's look at Romans twelve three because every one of you have this. Romans 12, 3, for I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So everybody has the measure of faith. Everybody say, I have the measure of faith. And listen to me, you can grow that faith. You can grow that faith, but I want you to see you got it. Galatians 2 and 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So my point to you is, every one of you, after you got born again, you did the hard thing. But everybody on planet Earth has the ability to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus was raised from the dead. Because if that's not the case, then God is unfair and he is unjust. And he will never be accused of that. He will never be accused of that. There, there's not many ways to God, just one. Y'all are narrow. We're so narrow, we believe in just one. Just one. You guys are narrow. I, I, thank you. I, I, I am confident there's just one way. And I believed in that one way. And miraculously, I, my, my, the old nature in me left and I got a new nature. I became a new creation in Christ Jesus. I became righteous, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. I just chose to believe that. So I'm telling you, faith is a choice. Faith is not a feeling, faith is a choice. And so what I want to talk to you about tonight is something that a few years ago, um, I remember I was just talking to someone and I just said, oh, they're full of doubt and unbelief. They're full of doubt and unbelief. And in our circles, and I say circles a lot, but what I'm talking about is spirit filled, uh, you know, word people, charismatic, Pentecostals, whatever, uh, that kind of circle I'm talking about is uh, they they say this a lot. Well, someone so-and-so didn't happen. They were just in doubt and unbelief, doubt and unbelief. And they run those two words together like they're the same doubt and unbelief. And I remember a number of years ago, uh, maybe about 10 years ago, the Lord just really kind of froze me in my tracks. And he said, those words are two very different words, yet you run them together. He said, so pull them apart and teach them because most people in this room, you're not dealing with unbelief. What is unbelief? Unbelief is I choose not to believe that. Most of us in this room are dealing with doubt in different areas. And so we're gonna pull it apart again. And I want, I want you, to, because, but I want you to see this because in our walk with God, if you know th- this is gonna help you because if you are a person who have been taught, like I was, it seemed over and over, just doubt and unbelief, they run together. Doubt and unbelief. So what does that mean? Well, that means I'm awful. That means, you know, I'm unbelieving. I don't believe that. Well, the truth of the matter is that's usually not the case with people in this room. Because what is unbelief? Well, it just comes from the word, um, it's A-P-A-I-S-T-I-A, uh, apastia. It means faithlessness, and it means disbelief. And so let's look at some things. Um, let's start with, let, let's go here. It's um, not this way in my notes, but I want to start a different place. Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. This is the the um, recount of what happened to the children of Israel as that as God miraculously delivered them out. With silver and gold feeble sick among them, brought them through the Red Sea, drowned the Egyptians behind them, gave them a promised land. They went in to spy it out with 12 spies. Ten said, we can't do it. We're, back. We're grasshoppers. Two said, they're bread for us. And so it's recounted. The writer of Hebrews by the Holy Ghost writes some things to us. And so I want to look at it. Uh, first, let's look at Hebrews chapter 3, starting at verse um, 11. Verse 10. Verse 9. Verse eight. Start at verse seven for real. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Harden not your heart. Where does faith come from? Your heart. They're not born again. They're under an old covenant, but they harden their hearts. Faith has always been of the heart. Listen to me. Either the not born again one or the born again one has still always been of the cardia the center of a person has the ability to believe. They, they had an ability to believe in the old covenant. They had an ability to believe in the old covenant. So no one can make an excuse. Have you ever heard of someone, well, I just can't believe that. That's a lie. That's a lie. I just can't believe that. That's a lie. It's a lie. You can believe. You can, you can believe. Everybody can believe. If they could believe in the old covenant, then you can believe in the new covenant. So here it says they harden their hearts in the provocation. Don't harden your hearts as they did in the provocation. The Lord called it a provocation. Anyway, that's another story for another day. In the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my works 40 years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said they do always err in their heart. So he's dealing with their heart. Where does faith come from? It comes from the heart. He said, uh, and they, they haven't known my ways. They don't know me. They don't know me. They don't know me. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But you can get to know his ways and you can get to know his thoughts. They, they should have known his ways. They should have known his thoughts even in the old covenant. But they, but they didn't. So I swore in my wrath they'll never enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you. This is an epistle written to the church of an evil heart of unbelief. The Lord calls unbelief evil. I didn't call it evil. He called it evil. So unbelief is evil. It really just kind of hacks him off. Praise the Lord. You all right? Yeah. But, but isn't, that, isn't that the truth? He called it a provocation. They tempted me. They tempted him. Provoked him just made him mad. You and I are not like that. Amen. You and I are not like that. You wouldn't be in this room if you were like that. I'm just, I, one of the things I want to show you right now is in our society right now, we as Christians get mad at those who are not born again, but see, they've chosen a lifestyle that is not ours. They can't act like us. They can't talk like us. They can't walk like us. They don't believe like us. They don't see like us. And so they see differently, but they see differently because they've chosen differently and they've chosen not to get a new nature. They've chosen not to be born again. Um, you can't, you, ugh, Lord, help me. Oh my, you can't trust people. Why would you trust someone who is not born again for real, for real born again? There is fruit. There is evidence. Quit making excuses for people who pretend for something who are not something. Don't follow them. Don't look to them. They are not your savior. They are not your Lord. They can't fix nothing. Nobody can do that except for God. And we know him and we can trust him. But you, but listen to me. This is so important because Unbelief in someone is obvious and it provokes God. It provokes him. You're not going to find much in the word of God that provokes him. This provokes him. He's so kind to sinners. He's so merciful. But if someone chooses, I don't believe that. I refuse that. I reject that. And I reject you. That provokes him. Provokes him. Oh, I'm glad we're not provoking him. I just want you to see a contrast there. Well, the Holy Ghost did, because I don't like to tread into some of that stuff time. Hallelujah. Uh, Evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another. I exhort you. Well, it's called today. It's called Wednesday. That's today. Lest you any be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And then I, I, it goes on, but then let's look at this. Let's look at verse 19. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. What is unbelief? It is, it, it, is, it is a decision. It's faithlessness. It's disbelief. It is not doubt. We're going to contrast the two if we can get to it. But I want you to see this in Mark chapter 6. Let's look at Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. This is going to follow my notes. Who's up, up front? We'll start to see if we can follow my notes. Probably not. Mark chapter 6. Mark 6. Um, Jesus went to his hometown. Verse 4 says, he's a prophet. Uh, is not without honor, but his own country, among his own kin, and his own house. And he there, he could there do no mighty works. How many you know everywhere Jesus went? He healed the sick, raised the dead. Miracles were happening. Limbs were growing out. Blind eyes were being opened. Deaf ears were being opened. Uh, 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 you know, um, uh, leprosy was being healed, but he went to his own hometown among the people that he grew up with that he, come on, he wasn't healing any bird wings back then. He he wasn't doing anything like that. uh, No matter what movie you saw, Uh, he didn't do anything until the Holy Ghost came on him when he was 30 years old. These people though, this is what happened. He said uh, he could there do, he, he didn't say he wouldn't. It said he couldn't. But he's Jesus. He's God. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Obviously not. Obviously not. It has more to do with the people than with him. And what did it say? He could there do no mighty work, save he's laid his hand on a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled, and he marveled because of their unbelief. What is unbelief? Unbelief says this. Uh, <laughs> because and, and, and Another place it says, we know you, I know your mom, I know your dad, I know your brothers. Who do you think you are? Who you think you are? You're a carpenter. You're just a carpenter. Here, you come in here standing up in the sanctuary saying this day, this scripture is, how I many you know they had a choice to believe or not believe? They went with the natural, they believed he was a carpenter. They believed his mama was Mary, and those people were his brothers and his sisters, and they chose not to believe. And he could there. He could there. Not that he wouldn't. He could there do no mighty work. And then, I'm going to get into this right now in case I don't get to it. So one of the cures for unbelief is what? What does it say he did next? And he went around about in the villages. How many know unbelief has a cure? Unbelief has a cure. What is the cure? Teaching the word of God. Because the more someone hears it, what happens when the word of God, when the anointed word of, how can, because see, you and I were in the case where we were not born again. But we heard the anointed preaching and teaching or someone sharing the word of God. It was anointed and the anointing does what? It destroys the yoke of bondage. There was a bondage by the devil trying to hold you in the prison house. But someone came preaching the light, and the light shone on you, and you did. Maybe not the first time. Maybe not the second time. Maybe not the third time. Maybe it was 20 times later, but you then, the first 20, you chose not to believe. But on 21, you said, you know what? I believe that. And what happened? You, you believed that he was raised from death. You confessed him, and you were born again. What is the cure for un- See, So unbelief is not hopeless or there's no way out of it, you and I, what is our mission right now to everybody in the United States of America and all over the world? We have a mission. We are to preach the kingdom of God to them. We are to preach to them a risen savior, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're supposed to tell him who he is and what he's done. And that is our assignment. You might have sub-assignments under that, but that is your primary assignment. That is my primary I mean, my assignment is to teach you and to raise you up so that you can go out and be a minister of reconciliation so that we can get people born again and get them back to God. Amen. 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 Come on, this is my raucous Wednesday night crowd, right? Hallelujah. So, so there is a cure for their unbelief. So how many times you got to get them here? As many times as it takes. So don't give up on the first time. If they didn't get it, keep asking them to come back. Amen. You keep talking to them. You keep sending them stuff. If you got to talk to somebody, you know, slip a little scripture in there. Even if you don't put, will it work if you don't put it? it I found this in John 3. You just add it and you don't put where it is. And you kind of like sneak, up. Well, oh, it has to have the verse with it in order for it to be official. It does not. Man put the verse in there. Man gave it an address for us to study. Just give them the word. Slip it in. Mix it up. I don't know. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Because it's anointed. It's the word of God. And it'll work in their life. Hallelujah. So there's unbelief. But one of the cures for unbelief, Jesus said, is by what he did, he went into the village and he, and he taught teaching and preaching will cure unbelief. Okay. That's number one. Mark 16. I'm really telling you first what you're not so I can get to what you are, but I don't know that I'm going to get to what you are until we get to what you're not. And so you understand where everybody else is out, and, and, but you ought got to understand, unbelief is evil. So when you're having trouble with something, don't let someone tell you you're in doubt, you're, in, uh, you, you're having a problem of unbelief. You have an unbelief problem. Because most of you in this room do not have an unbelief problem. But we've been told for so long uh, that you have an unbelief problem, we believed them. And it's hurt you. It's hurt you to call what is going on unbelief if it's really not unbelief. Unbelief is evil. And that's not you. No, you, you and I have some issues, right? You and I have some issues, but it's more likely doubt than it is that. So let's look at Mark 16, 11 through 14. And they went and they heard that he was alive and, and seen of her. And they um took, well... Let's back up. We're going to do a lot of backing up of the truck here. Um, This is when Jesus was raised from the dead. And verse 9, now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. (gasps) That's wrong. She's a woman. And of whom he had cast out seven devils. And she went and was the first evangelist after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary Magdalene used to be full of the devil. And now she's a preacher. And she went and told him that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, did what? Did not believe. believe. Why? Because Mary said it. It's just fact. Had Jesus told him he was coming back? Had Jesus preached to them, I'm coming back. You destroy this temple three days, I'm going to lift it up. Had he told them? Maybe they didn't get it, but they wasn't going to believe no Mary here. I was there when he cast them devils out of you. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Verse 12, and that he appeared in another form to two of them. Remember the road to Emmaus? As they walked and went to the country and they went and told it unto the, uh, the residue, those that were locked up in the room waiting, neither believed they them. We, we was just walking and there's this guy came and we was talking and like, and then, and then suddenly, man, it was Jesus. Nah, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. F- believing is a choice. And uh, verse 14 afterward, he appeared to the 11 who were locked up in the room, who had been told by Mary Magdalene and the two guys on the road to Emmaus that Jesus is alive. And the 11 apostles, who everything is going to be put in their trust to, the first thing they did was they believed not. Listen to me, there is so much mercy available for the people in the planet. Hallelujah. <laughs> These are the 11 that are left that he has spent his life with, that he has given three and a half years of his life. Peter, James, and John, he took them everywhere he went. He groomed them personally for the moment such of this. And the first thing they do is they believe not. Woo, we're off to a great start. Come on, there's hope for me and you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 14. Afterward he appeared unto the leaven as they sat at a meal. Do you notice Jesus is always showing up at food time? Hallelujah. Anyway. And he upbraided them with their he upbraided them with their unbelief. And what did, he, what did he call it? and hardness of hardness of heart. Because they believed not them, believed not Mary Magdalene, believed not the two dudes from the road of Emmaus, which had seen him after he was risen. <laughs> He, he, he did what he patted them on the head and say, it's all right, dudes. Unbelief is okay. I know you should have known, but it's going to be all right. No, he upbraided them. I think that was a money changers whip moment. I've heard my spiritual father say, uh, sometime that one time the Lord was talking to him and, and, um, and, uh, uh, the Lord told him to do something. He said, I did. And when I did, it didn't happen. And then the Lord would repeat. And, 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 and he said the like the fourth time or a third or fourth time, the Lord pointed his finger at brother Hagan and said, I said, and he point, and, and then he, then he was gone. And then Brother Hagin, he got, oh, yeah. And then he did what he said, and it happened. But the Lord can get irritated. If he's never been irritated with you, good for you. (laughs) Hallelujah. I said, good for you. Hallelujah. Um, Anyway. So he upbraided them because they believed not. What is believing not? It's unbelief. They decided not to believe Mary Magdalene. They decided not to believe those two guys. Jesus in His mercy shows up. Amen. Come on, what am I telling you about unbelief? It can be fixed. Amen. The Lord is willing to fix it. The Lord is willing to fix it. This was a, this was a big deal. He appeared to him. right? All right, let's keep going. Let, let's do this one. Everybody knows about him. Let's look at John's gospel. Number 20, John 20, 24, you all know this account, but Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus was not with them when Jesus came. So remember they're in the upper room, Thomas goes somewhere. So really there's there's just probably 10 of them there, or there's some others there. Uh, maybe the 11, uh, you know, maybe it was somebody, I don't know, but Thomas wasn't there. He, he wasn't there. So he wasn't there for when Jesus came. And what did he say? Uh, So he's one of them. And really, in a lot of ways, I've picked on Thomas a little bit. But he's really in the same boat as the others. Because they heard from Mary Magdalene. They heard from those two guys. And Jesus appeared to them. And then they believed. So I've been a little hard on Thomas. And I'm going to apologize to him right now. I don't think he's listening. Well, he might listen. Lord, let him listen. I'm apologizing. And uh, the other disciples therefore said unto him, we've seen the Lord. But he said the thing, same thing they said earlier to Mary Magdalene, but they were like, Hey, we're the apostles, you know, and you should believe us. We didn't believe Mary Magdalene, we didn't bring those up, believe those two other guys. But the other disciples therefore said, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I see in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger in the print of his nails, and thrust my hand in his side, I will not believe that's unbelief. That's a decision not to believe something. Just to skip ahead to help you out. When it comes to physical healing, do you believe that Jesus is the healer? Do you really, with all your heart, believe that he took stripes on his back so that you can be healed? See, and when you attempt, when you believe, or when you uh, have hands laid on you, um, see, you're not coming even if it doesn't happen, it's not really in the most, most situations with this church, because I'm your pastor, I know you. It's not unbelief, because unbelief says, I don't believe that. This is unbelief. Um, the last apostle has died, and when that last apostle died, healing has died. Jesus, doesn't, he did that in his earthly ministry to prove that he was God, but he doesn't heal anymore today. We have doctors for that. What is that? That's unbelief. That's unbelief. Um, I, don't believe that, I don't believe that Jesus um, uh, wants or cares about your finances. He gave you a brain, you go out and work, pull your bootstraps up and get out there and do something. It's all on you. What is that? Unbelief, unbelief. You need to be protect yourself. You need to protect yourself Um, I don't think there's an angel hanging out around you, protecting you. That's just a bunch of nonsense. What is that? Unbelief. Unbelief. And that can even come from a born again person who believed one thing. Unbelief can happen to a born again person. But most people who hear the word, who come to a church such as this, it's not really unbelief and we've run it together. I don't know how long some of you have been around, but I've heard doubt and unbelief, doubt and unbelief, doubt and unbelief, doubt and unbelief. And so we've lumped it into the same category and it's not. And if you can distinguish what it is, then you can deal with it. If you're having trouble with tithing, you know, uh, you, I just, you just can't see where it's a New Testament principle and you don't want to do it um, and it's not for today. And, and yeah, okay, that's unbelief. So what, do you, what fixes it? Number one, teaching of the word of God. Number two, that's hardness of heart. So what do you got to do with your heart? Well, Lord, you know, I want everything that you have for me. So I'm asking you, if there's anything in my heart that's hardened towards any part of your word, I'm asking you to help me to soften it up, to realize that that's religion, or that's um, me protesting something that I don't want to do, and it's gotten into my heart, and my heart has been hardened from that. Lord, open up my heart. Because, see, if someone loves the Lord then they'll at they'll, they'll, they'll least open up their heart to him where the word can go in there. And if there's weeds and there's things, religion and, and just stupid thinking and all that kind of stuff, then, then your heart can become soft where you can hear the word of God. What's another thing you can do? Well, we tell people this all the time. Um, you know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 that Satan is the God of this world and he is blinded blinded the minds of unbelievers and we always take that and it's true initially it's true just for those who are not born again they are unbelievers but you can also be an unbeliever in other things you can be an unbeliever in healing you can be an unbeliever in prosperity you can be an unbeliever in protection you can be an unbeliever in all that salvation offers you just think it offers one thing well, what is that? Well, then in some cases, Satan has blinded people's eyes. And what, what, what needs to happen is they need to hang out with people like us so we can command the blinders to come off of their eyes. And when those blinders come off their eyes, we pray that the light of the gospel, the seed of the word of God, the word of God brings interest, uh, When it gets in their heart, it'll, it'll bring illumination. It'll bring light. And it'll cause them to be able to get out of the prison that they're in. So another cure for unbelief is you and I commanding blinders to come off of people's eyes so they can see. So our part is to help an unbeliever. All right. So here we got Thomas and you know what happened. And it says, um, except I see his hands, all that verse 26. And after eight days, again, the disciples were within and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came, uh, the doors being shut. And he stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. And then he said to Thomas. Listen, I was just back in the room back there. And and the Lord even dealt with me about Thomas again. He just said to me, He said, I'm willing to meet anyone where they're at. He is more merciful and more kind and more loving and more gracious and more gooder than you and I can give him credit for. He's better than that. He's better than gooder. He's amazing. He's amazing. Don't interpret, you know, even I do it. Don't interpret the word of God with human thinking. God is love. God is love. Now, he didn't just totally let him off here. He said, "Reach reach hither, your finger. Come on. The Lord was listening to him. He repeated right back to him. And he waited eight days. I don't know if he had to get himself together. I don't know why he waited eight days, but he did. He said, Behold my hands, reach hither your hand, thrust it into my side, but be not faithless, but believe in. He wants everybody to be believing. He met him where he was, though. You know, I used to think he was the, really until tonight, I thought he was the worster of all of them. But, the, you know, the other ones, I mean, Mary Magdalene told him he's alive. The other two said he's alive, and they chose not to believe, and Jesus upbraided them. Because of their unbelief. And, the, uh, and Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God. Let's all say that together. My Lord, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who they who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. That's us. So we're blessed. Everybody say, I'm blessed. Amen. Why? Because I believe and I haven't seen. Yeah, come on. That's us. Hallelujah. So can you see unbelief there? Uh, Romans 4.20, the Bible says about Abraham, he staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but did what? He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So, so did Abraham have to deal with unbelief? He did, and he, and, and, and he got by it. Um, um, his wife, Sarah, man, she had some unbelief. She didn't have doubt. She had unbelief. But somewhere in there in a three-month period, it seems to me that she counted God faithful according to Hebrews 11.11. 11. She went from unbelieving to counting God faithful, and she was able to get strength to conceive a seed and have a son. Amen. Just like God promised. Um, 1 Timothy 1.13, the Apostle Paul, it says, Who was before a blasphemer? Remember, it was his job, he thought, to eradicate the way. Right? He, he, he was a religious man, and he was top of his class. He was, he was the one, it says, a persecutor, injurious. What does that mean? He's the one that gave consent to Stephen's murder. He was on his way on the road to Damascus to kill and put Christians in prison. He was an unbeliever. I obtained mercy. The Lord appeared to him. Come on, he's, one of the things I want to do tonight. one of the things I didn't want to do, one of the things the Holy Ghost wants to do, because I didn't plan a lot of this. He wants us to get such compassion for the lost and for unbelievers. He has it. He saved all of us. But even these individual accounts, people who should have known better. He met them where they were. He's not so hard. He's not mean. He's not withholding things. He's good. He's kind. He's compassionate. He wants you to get it probably more than you want to get it. I don't know about that. I do because it's all his idea. We're his family. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to receive all the promises that are yes and amen. Come on, on the road to Damascus. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I love this answer. Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. Well, I thought he was persecuting the church. Well, the Lord took it personal cause you are the church. I am the church. We are the body. He's the head, but we're the body. And he was persecuting the body. And so Jesus, the head said, why are you persecuting me? And then instead of just whooping up on him, slapping him around, what'd he do? He gloriously got him saved. Filled with the Holy Ghost and turned him into the writer of most of the epistles. Talk about the mercy of God. The goodness of God. I obtained mercy. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Because I did it. Now watch this though. I did it ignorantly in unbelief. So sometimes, so what is unbelief? It's ignorance. King James, not Pastor Mark. It's ignorance. Someone who's in unbelief, they're in ignorance. I didn't say they were ignorant. I said they're ignorance. There's ignorance there of what God says, of who God is. I was at one time, I thought he was mean, hard to serve, hard to please, big bat, ready to crush you like a bug. That's what I thought of him. I was afraid of him mad at him, but he showed me his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, and I had to choose though, I did as a little boy, but I had to choose again to trust that he was good, and he delivered me, and he changed me, and gave me a really good life, and a really good wife, that rhymes, and (laughs) stuff. And you all. And you all. But see, unbelief is evil. And let me just give you some of this because now, I, I, at least, I want to get into it. But most of us in this room, in the general sense of the word, we're not in unbelief. We have not said, I choose not to believe that healing is for me. I, I choose not to believe it. Healing's not for today. Maybe you used to believe that. I I just don't believe God wants to bless me. I am not. Every time you all say I'm blessed to be a blessing, I choose not to believe that. I just think that's a bunch of baloney. I don't don't believe that. I don't believe in any angels. You can't see them. They're not real. I choose not to believe that. See, I would say as a whole, maybe, you know, every once in a while here and there, but as a whole, that's not us. Now, could it be us? I mean, the apostles should have believed. Thomas, isn't it funny that the apostle said, we have seen the Lord and just expected him to believe? Although someone said the exact same thing to them and they chose not to believe. I've really never seen it like that before tonight. So I'm sure Pastor Rhonda has, I think she even told me that one time and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how you have a revelation, you try to share it with somebody and the other person's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens all the time. Um, doubt. The other word is diakrino. D-I-A-K-R-I-N-O. Diakrino. It means to withdraw from, to hesitate. King James Version usually uh, uh, translates it doubt, staggering, or waver. Doubt, staggering, or waver. Um, Remember uh, Mark 11, 23. For I say unto you, That what whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be uh, be cast uh, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not what in his heart. So this is not unbelief; it's a different word, It has a different meaning, and he's addressing a different kind of person. Doubt means to waver; it means to hesitate. It means, um, it, it, it means to stagger. Like you're walking along and doubt comes and, and, it, and it makes, that was a good move, wasn't it? Stagger a little bit, that was terrible. Uh, so I can only dance in the Holy Ghost. I can't ever dance, I can't do any, I have no moves otherwise. Um, listen to me, it doesn't mean there is an absence of faith. Doubt does not mean that faith is absent. Unbelief means faith is absent. You're either in unbelief in an area or there's faith, but if it's not totally working, that means it's got, that faith has gotten into doubt. It's staggering. It's currently staggering. It's currently wavering. But unbelief is hundred percent. I don't believe that faith is hundred percent. I absolutely believe what I read. I absolutely believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and I receive him as savior. I make him the Lord of my life. It's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. I mean, when you got born again, you were a hundred percent. When you really got born again, whether you know it or not, you were a hundred percent. You chose to believe. Now after you got born again, could the devil jump on your shoulder and say, "Oh, that's just all a bunch of emotion. They worked you up." And you don't really believe that, do you? And you could have thought, well, "Yeah, that's kind of strange, but." And then something or someone on the inside said, hey, "It's all true. Don't believe that. It's all it's true because now you have a helper on the when you got born again, now somebody moved in." Now come on, y'all. This is the this should be easier for us now. Because if the Old Testament, Hebrews chapter 11 is made up of Old Testament faith-filled people, Abraham, Sarah, Joseph, Noah, all those people who were not born again, God did not live on the inside of them. Everybody wants to go back to the old covenant. I guarantee you there's going to be a line of old covenant folks up there who are going to be asking you, what was it like for God to live on the inside of you? Please tell me what it was like to be on the earth when God lived in you. What was that like when the creator lived in you? We live in the greatest dispensation of time. God Almighty lives in us. You have a helper on the inside of you. You've got you got a cheerleader. You got somebody, uh, uh, someone who directs you. He's a Paracletos. He's the one that that, that he counsels you. He teaches you. He shows you, and he's going to help you walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. So. It it says, you are not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you have said will come to pass and you'll have what you say. So uh, doubt doesn't mean there's an absence of faith, but the presence of doubt causes your faith to be overcome by the doubt. And so this is really, uh, as we are about to close, let me give you the title of this message, Starving Your Doubt. We're going to starve it out. We're going to starve your doubt. We're going to get rid of it. Because if that is mostly our problem, not unbelief, because we, come on, it's Wednesday night, full of believers, even Sunday morning at Cornerstone, those that are about to get, but we're believers around here. And so, and, and we know the promises of God are yes and amen. And, and I've taught you for 20 some odd weeks and even before that, you knew it. We we're we're it's time. It's time to walk in the blessings of God. It's time to walk in the promises of God. And so we are we are we are understanding more and more. And so maybe it's just a little adjustment for me. Maybe it's just a little adjustment for you. But so we got to. So the doubt is the issue. So let's look at this one, and then we'll probably call it a night. Matthew, the famous one. Matthew fourteen. This is right after the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus, um, verse 22 of Matthew 14, Jesus, straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So all the apostles uh, got into the ship and they were going to the other side to Bethsaida. And he was there handling the multitudes that were left. Verse 23, he sent the multitudes away, and then he went up to a mountain to pray. And so while Jesus is away praying, the disciples are supposed to go to Bethsaida, the other side, to get ready, whatever he's going to do in that city. And um, so uh, he went up to the mountain to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto, him, went unto them, walking on the sea. Um, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, "It's the spirit," and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, "Bid, good cheer, it's I, be not afraid." I like the other account, too. Uh, it's, um, um, I think it's in Luke um, it says Jesus would have walked by them. He was going to the other side himself, but they cried out to him, and they stopped uh, there. Um, they, they've got a, they're, they're in trouble, and, and it seems like they had to call on him to get his attention. He was going to the other side. Just I don't have time to get into all of it. But, and then anyway, then this is uh, Peter said unto him, Lord, if it's you. Y'all know this one, right? What did he say? Lord, if it's you, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said what? Everybody say, Come. So that's the word of God. That's the will of God. Faith begins where the... So what is the will of God? For who? For Peter. Peter. Because he's the only one believing right now. So we're in a ship, not a bass boat. So he's got to get up on the edge of the ship. He's a a fisherman. He's been in storms before. And uh, he knows, like everybody knows, you cannot walk on the water in the midst of a storm. You can walk on it when it's flat, but you can't walk on it right? Everybody knows that. And so, so, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, so there was a jump and when, and everybody know, you know, so when you jump on the water, what do you normally do? Immediately, right? Because it's gravity and it's water. And, uh, and so he, so he came down the ship. He walked on the water. Everybody say he walked on the water. How cool is that? Do you think he had any faith? What was his faith in? The word come that Jesus said. That Jesus said, I wish Jesus would talk to me. Woo, he sure has. It's just full. And it's a more sure word of prophecy. This is it, man walk on it. So, how many know he's doing it? (laughs) No, he's doing it. Peter's walking on the water with Jesus. And you know this account, but then it says what? When he saw, what's an enemy to your faith? What causes doubt? The sense realm. And unfortunately, That's where we live, the sense realm. As human beings, we judge by what we see, by facts that we hear, by things that we can touch. That's how we judge. It's not wrong. That's who we are. But you can't walk in faith that way. You can't walk in faith that way. Because faith doesn't depend on what it sees. It depends on hearing from the word, not on facts. The truth of the word of God supersedes the facts, good or bad. It's the only thing that's constant. It's the only thing that will never pass away. It's the only thing you can trust right now. And he saw the wind boisterous and he grew afraid because what you see opens you up to the God of this world. And so fear came. Well, any man in his right mind would be afraid. Well, but that thinking of, you know, when stuff comes around, you know, you'd be stupid not to be afraid. Well, if If you yield to that kind of stuff, you're not going to be able to walk in faith because you're currently walking in doubt. Because you've let something you see, you've let something you hear, you've let something natural, you've let a fact dictate to you what you believe. He got back in his senses. We all have them. Not throwing anything at him. He's a fisherman. How many storms do you think you've seen? How many, how, many, how many friends may have lost over the years in a storm? He is afraid. And when he was afraid, what'd that do? What is that? That's doubt. Because that's doubt. Watch, watch this. Um, when we saw so he began to sink and then he cried out everybody shout Jesus help me Jesus, help. Jesus save me Jesus and what happened immediately thank come on he's so good immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand caught him and said oh you of little faith why were you in unbelief is that what he said It's correctly recorded you of little faith or say it like this why People say he had small faith. Dude was walking on the water. Dude was walking on the water. Come on. I think that takes some faith. It wasn't little in amount of faith, it was little in how long it lasted. Your faith only lasted a little while. Have you been there? Have you been there? Woo-hoo, I got it, I got it, I got it. Then you get in the car, these symptoms all try to come back on you, and you're like, I thought I got healed. Your faith lasted yet a little while, from here to there, or maybe till the next morning. You don't have to let go. He had a choice. I have a choice when I see the winds boisterous. When I realize I'm walking on nothing but the word of God, I have a choice. Do I believe? Do I keep believing? Or do I start believing the reality? Oh, people say this all the time. Pastor, you know we have to, we should have wisdom. Everybody needs to, we just need to have some wisdom right now. Well, it depends on who's you using. Because the wisdom of this world is, foolish, it's devilish, it's sensual, and it's natural. But God's wisdom is pure. It's peaceable. (laughs) Easy to be entreated. Come on. There's a difference in which wisdom you use. Now, the wisdom of God doesn't always negate totally the other kinds of wisdom. It doesn't. It doesn't have to. But when God's wisdom crosses the world's wisdom, you better go with God's wisdom. And really, um, you you, you and I, uh, and you've got to know the wisdom of God and believe the wisdom of God before you can. And so if we don't know it, what does the Bible say? Uh, The ask of God, and he'll give it to you liberally without finding fault. All right. I'm getting ahead of myself, but let's finish up. I told you I was going to let you go. Um, He said, um, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? What What causes you and I to doubt? What we see?" symptoms that are very real walking on i don't know what that felt like but as he looked down at it it's like this is water and then it was a storm and a wave may have hit him in the face and if i know the devil he got a mouthful of salt or whatever i don't know where i don't know where i don't know I'm just telling you, I know that when, because that storm anyway was a demonic storm, it wasn't just a natural storm, I'm trying to kill them all, even if it was natural, just a storm. The devil is the author of stealing, killing, and destroying. You with me? And so what happened? He. Just like us, this is where you and I live. This is what we got to face. So if you know it's not unbelief, well, I'm just, I guess I'm just in doubt and unbelief. No, you're probably not in unbelief. You're probably just dealing with something that's doubt. And, you know, if you do doubt, you do do without. But even in that, you've got to get this. I know I'm probably different than some people who preach on the loose line. I just don't see Jesus all the time as a drill sergeant. He's been too kind to me. He's been too good to me. He helped me, Jesus. He didn't get, you shouldn't have tried this. You weren't ready. You shouldn't have tried it. See you when I get to the other side. We'll drag, uh, you know, we'll drag your body tomorrow. You're nothing but a loud mouth. No, he immediately helped him out, and then I love this. He caught him. He put it. He he talked to him. And then what happened? What happened? And immediately Jesus stretched forth and caught him. Oh, you little fake. Why did you doubt? And then and when they were come into the ship, where was Jesus talking to him at? On the water. Again, how cool is that? He didn't toss him into the boat. Idiot. You shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have attempted this. You should have. You should have grown up a little bit first. No. He raised him up, talked to him on the water, got the water back under his feet. And then they got into the boat. I love him. He's awesome. He's beyond words. He doesn't want you and I to do without. But doubt will keep you out of. The blessings. Just talking about the wisdom of God. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. How is he going to receive anything from the Lord? That double-mindedness is doubt, wavering, going back and forth. But this is so cool. And says, uh, and then when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, "Of a truth, you are the Son of God." And then they talked to Peter later, and was like, "What was that like?" Tell me all about it. Amen. Unbelief and doubt, two very separate things. Unbelief and doubt. How are we going to help those in unbelief? Command the blinders to come off their eyes. Get them in some teaching and preaching of the word of God, the anointing, which will destroy the yoke of bondage. Jesus taught them. Pray for them. The eyes of their understanding being enlightened. Command blinders to come off. Teach, uh, uh, try to help them soften up their heart. How how do we do that again? Prayer, but Lord, you know, a specific friend, a specific person you have Lord, because it's hardness of heart. Unbelief is hardness of heart. And, um, but for us, what causes us to doubt? Well, we rely too much on what we see. We rely too much on the facts when we should just rely on the word of God. Now, is it something you and I got to deal with all day long, every day? Yeah. Cause you live in the world. You, 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 your senses are very active, right? But can we, with our eyes on the word of God, which is the will of God, can we overcome that? Yeah. How do we, how, how do we overcome that? Well, there, there's just a lot of different ways. Um, but, but one of the ways is just this, if, if you know, when you're doubting something because it's causing you to stagger, it's causing you to be double-minded and then you just have to be real with yourself. But if you're in doubt, can you get right back into faith? Cause see, you're not in unbelief. You're doubting. It can be seconds. It could be momentary. It could be a week. It could be a month. It could be a year, but can you get it back together and believe God? You absolutely can. It is not a death sentence. Well, I just didn't do that one right, you know. I guess it's all for nothing, you know. That's not what Jesus did with him. He put him back on the The Lord will help us. He loves you too much to let you drown. I've heard other people, some people I highly respect, preach this way different. But, you know, they're like, he was aggravated with him. I see a little different. You know, I do. And it's people that I highly respect, but I disagree with them about this. I think he was like, man, you were doing it. Why'd you let go? You and I could have walked to the other side, left the rest of them in the ship, come back later for them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what the plan. Well, I know Jesus was headed. He was headed to the other side. And, and the other gospel says he, he would have walked by them, but they yelled out. So I don't know if him, he was planning to take Peter with him and just go the other side, walking on the water, and then, you know, they can get there when they get there. I don't know. But it is cool, too, that when he put Peter in, the wind all ceased. Come on, y'all. E- even if the devil is messing with you, the Lord is on your side. And if God before you, who can be against you?